0: Welcome to the Venue Solutions Podcast, where we talk about everything data center, information technology, cybersecurity, and more. I'm William, Venue's data center sales engineer, and one of your hosts.
1: Hi, I'm Eric Malatesta. Venue Data Center Infrastructure Manager, and also one of your hosts.
0: And I'm Michael Faisley, Venue's Network
2: Infrastructure Manager and Cybersecurity Specialist. And I'm also one of your hosts.
0: This is podcast number 79 for January 19th, 2022. In this podcast, Michael, Eric, and myself are joined by Paul Hornsby from Insight to discuss the past, present, and future supply chain issues. All this and more in the next Venue podcast. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of venue or any guest's employer. Hey guys, this is uh, our next venue podcast for, well, really our first venue podcast for 2022. Uh, I'm your host, William Sellers. I'm here joined with an illustrious group of my coworkers and even a special guest today. to have on our podcast so hey guys
1: hey guys this is eric good to to see you guys again
0: everybody it's michael and today we have a special guest in the virtual podcast studio we have paul hornsby from insight um paul introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do at insight who Insight is in case someone's listening doesn't know and uh maybe a little bit about what you do for us here at venue
3: Great. Uh, thanks very much, William. So, uh, I'm, I'm Paul Hornsby. I'm, I work for a company called Insight. I am, uh, my title is client exec. I'm a salesperson responsible for the client relationship. Um, so, the buck stops with me. Uh, things go right, great. Things go wrong. I'm still the guy that, uh, that you call to, to make things, you know, to get things right, to fix things. Um, the company I work for, Insight, is a Fortune 360 uh, global solutions integrator. Uh, at least that's what we're evolving into. Um, previously, um, you know, we were considered a value-added reseller. Uh, we would compete with guys like CDW and SHI, uh, Worldwide Technologies. Um, but uh, but we're evolving, and um, kind of our, our differentiator now is the number of. Uh, uh, technical resources, consulting resources that we bring to bear. So um, we, we look for uh, an issue, a problem, uh, something that uh, a client's struggling with and try to get to the root of it, figure out what they've got um, and, and how we can help them uh, achieve a better business result. What we do for Venue uh, is, is, is several things. Um, venue's a, a, a service provider, a co-location service provider, um, you know, don't really have the resources uh, to, um, uh, or the experience or the expertise or, or really need those things when it comes to uh, helping them uh, build out a configuration for something, say, like a, 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 a backup appliance for a client so that they can back up their, their data and transmit it to the colo and keep it there. So um, we've got the expertise with all the major manufacturers, all the software publishers, uh, and we can help put together the, the right solution at the right price. Yep.
0: And honestly, Paul, we've had a great relationship with Venue. I mean, with uh, with Insight at Venue. Um, Whenever we need servers for building things like uh, Veeam appliances or servers that we need for our cloud compute infrastructure, you know, you're one of our go to guys that helps us out getting those getting those servers and resources and gear to our data center in a timely fashion. Which, which really brings us into the topic of today's podcast when I mention getting materials in in a timely fashion, um, especially when we talk about, you know, when our last podcast, we talked about, uh, you know, Christmas buying gifts for geeks, right? A little bit different from our normal podcast that focus on data center and IT. But uh, this one also is a little bit, you know, different but related to, to what we do. And that's really talking about the supply chain. Right.
1: Sure. Sure. And we've had these issues and and, and Paul's been uh, intimately involved with some of the issues that we've had with actually many of the vendors that we were buying from. So, you know, this is not a situation where, you know, hey, vendor A is getting things shipped much faster than vendor C or D or E. Right. They're all seeming to have the same problems. And. We've purchased equipment over the last six months and had various different timelines. And sometimes we've had issues where they'll even tell us, hey, this is not coming for six months. And then, like, say, 60 days later, it just actually shows up. So -hmm. so not only is it slow in some cases, it's very unpredictable.
0: Yeah, and that's really, you know, the problem with – and we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty of the supply chain here in a little bit. But really – you know, when we talk about supply chain, let, let's kind of define what that is, because really, up until a few years ago, I didn't really think about supply chain and what all that meant. I mean, you know, you may have heard it when you're in your college economics class or whatever, or even in high school these days, but, you know, you don't really think about it every day. When you place an order for a laptop or a server or a pair of shoes or whatever, you go to your a person like Paul, you take out your cell phone, you say, hey, I need a pair of shoes, click, 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 and it shows up in your house, and less. Than 24 to 48 hours, right? Um, but when we talk about supply chain, we're really talking about the whole chain. If you think of a chain that that bridges raw materials to you using a product in your house. So when you think about that complete chain, you think about raw materials, right? Where if it's a computer, you're talking about sand, silicon, glass, metal, gold. You're thinking about the raw materials that make up a product. If it's shoes, then it's leather or some type of synthetic you know, pr- um, product, right? So you think about the raw materials and as it goes from the raw materials into a manufacturing or fabrication plant where it's actually built, right? And you may take various products from different types of manufacturing into your manufacturing fabrication plant to build your product, right? After the product gets built, it has to go to a warehouse where it is a central location where, you know, that product and many other products are stored in mass to be able to then move to something like a port or a shipping uh, distribution center or maybe a regional warehouse that gets that product closer to the, the end customer. Right, and then the next step really is getting those products on a delivery truck or 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 vehicle, right to get it actually to your house to get it to your data center to get it to your your place of business to where the consumer actually now has that product in hand. so when we talk about supply chain, it's really that whole chain, and um with yeah,
1: if I, I that chain is complex as you can see it is, but we' we're, we're simplifying it right oh, yeah,
0: with, yeah. With,
1: and so even, even in our simplification of it, you can see how complex there is and how many pieces and parts have to be dealt with. Like you said earlier, what is the computer? Well, it's silicon in the sand, right? So someone's got to ship sand somewhere to create the silicon and blah, blah, blah. So every, every shipping delay ends up in a delay somewhere else in the future.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's just one component. We talk about battery technology, you know, batteries, right? Watch. You know, are we mining enough um, lithium or whatever to actually be able to build batteries fast enough to get them in the devices to get to users, whether that's batteries for your your phone or your, you know, your laptop or your car or whatever. These things take uh, or need to be taken into account. So, um you know when we talk about the supply chain right um uh, we really have seen these problems crop up with the advent of the our, our pandemic right this this covid covid time we live in right and we look at like you know before covid we we may hear supply chain issues off and on but nothing really impactful in our everyday life but it seems that after you know when we look at the development of COVID, we've seen definitely more issues of supply chain issues in the news and it's actually affecting our daily life, right?
1: Sure. You know, and I will, the the whole idea that we're going to be at home. I think what, uh, what we're seeing that affect primarily in the beginning of COVID was that last mile that you were talking about there, the delivery of products to customers, right? So if all of us are consuming, uh, UPS and FedEx and um, USPS and whatever else is out there, DHL and all those, um, you know, we're 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 consuming that truck. That truck can only take so much stuff. It can only go to so many locations in one 24-hour period, right? So, so we're exasperating that last mile of the, of the issue already.
0: Right. And and really it's it's also the problem one of the problems is especially and this really hits home with people who work in the IT industry. Obviously, any industry or or very you know a lot of industries um what we've learned with the pandemic can work successfully from home, right? But what this means is with everyone working from home, there's an increased need for additional computers. Um you know, cell phones, communication technologies, even things like people not going to a gym anymore because, you know, maybe they don't want to get COVID or, you know, they have some special needs where they need to maybe stay more home-based. But people wanting devices like treadmills, right? Bikes, you know, Peloton, things like this, where the majority of that device, right, that that product relies on things like semiconductors, right? And, And these types of things. And that causes um places that are doing fabrication to really have a lot of problems because it's a lot of people needing these types of devices in their home, right?
2: Well, I I think that another problem, you know, specific to the pandemic was when the pandemic first started and, you know, the 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 initial lockdowns happened, what was that of uh, February, March 2020. Uh, a lot of organizations kind of put things on pause, right? Projects that they had been working on kind of got set on the back burner. So what you saw, at least in my opinion, was when fast forward to that fall or, or, or that winter, organizations organization said, all right, let's pick back up on those projects. But you had other organizations where, that fall or that winter was their time to kick off a project. So it started this real big demand for, you know, whatever it may be, right? Whether it's server infrastructure or, like you said, laptops, cell phones, things like that, and then that high demand combined with really a. a a multifaceted supply chain issue, right? It's not one component within the chain that's having an issue. It's it's almost every component, right? So it it was kind of this perfect storm in my opinion, where the the supply chain is almost trying to catch up with the demand, but it's mm-hmm. having its own problems. So it's it's kind of snowballed into this this big thing.
0: Yeah, I really think You know, when we first and and when I was doing research for this episode, right? I was like, okay, let me let me brush up on my supply chain uh, information, right? Um, I definitely think in the beginning of the pandemic, right, when when it was really a lot going on overseas, which even still is, but we had issues with you know manufacturing uh, plants, right, because people were sick and or people were having you know lockdowns to to try and limit the spread of COVID. So a lot of these plants that build our semiconductors, that put together our shoes, that make different, you know, bolts, widgets, whatever it is, we're really running at reduced capacity or closed completely. And that kind of kicked off the problem in the chain, right? You know, kind of a, it's a, a chain is like a link, right? Each piece manufacturing depends on shipping shipping depends on manufacturing manufacturing depends on the last mile to the customer so this chain is disrupted and we, we we think or i feel that a lot of times that the beginning of it was when we had problems with manufacturing right so over the year over the months or whatever or, or year i think manufacturing has started to recover in, in most cases but we have pro- still have problems with um you know getting um getting uh, product out to the customer where we have maybe ships out in the you know the middle of the ocean right at a seaport like Los Angeles or whatever and they're just sitting there waiting to get offboarded onto the major distribution warehouses right um and sure, that, that, and it's easy, it's easy
1: to blame, like like what Michael was saying, it's easy to blame it on one thing. So, you know, hey, we, we, we have boats waiting out there, they can't unload them fast enough. Well, that, why, why, why is that? Because we don't have enough workers on the docks, but maybe that's actually not true. We don't have enough truckers to truck the stuff, but maybe that's actually not true. We have the same amount of truckers that we had pre-pandemic. We just have an a, increased amount of demand for those truckers that can't be easily... Uh, resolved by just hiring truckers. You can't just go out and hire a trucker. You gotta get, you gotta go out and get certified. You gotta get, learn mm-hmm. how, the, how the process works. You got it. so this is a long ramp up period to get a trucker to, over to the port to remove a shipping container so that a single shipping container can come back into that spot.
0: Right, <laughs> so yeah. there's a
1: finite amount of space in the port. And so if we can't get the, the containers out, so it's, it's all kind of linked together. You know, people are asking for more, so more stuff's coming. And then not enough stuff can get out of the of the shipyards quick enough.
0: Exactly, and and we really see this. And you know, when we start relating this to IT, right, to our, our information technology and kind of data center work, you know, it definitely is impactful. And, and you know, I think Paul has has ridden these waves with us, um, and has done quite well, quite good at getting us what we need in, an, in a relatively timely fashion. But I'm sure Paul sees the same things we're talking about. With with his vendors and right the people that he works with, um, Paul, can you tell us what you've seen from from your viewpoint?
3: Yeah, yeah, thanks. So, um, so a couple of things, you know, historically, all all the component parts were sitting in a warehouse stateside waiting to be assembled. You know, so you get an order for whatever server, storage device, a laptop, and the components, the components would be there. And the manufacturer would assemble it, and in a couple of weeks, you could expect it to be on the road and, and headed your way. When the, the when the sub assemblies, when the integrated circuit boards, when the when the parts, uh, the 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 memory, uh, the you know the uh, the disk drive on a, in a storage device, when when they're unavailable, uh, you know you can't finish the assembly. Oh, and, and one of the interesting things that we're seeing, a couple of, couple of interesting things. Um, uh, generally, uh, the, the quote that I put together for you for, for venue, uh, you know, is, is good for about 30 days. And so you, you order it expecting all the parts and pieces that you ordered in, in the build that we put together for you to be there uh, and, and to stay at the same price and to show up at you know at your door when it gets to you, and and the pricing will be the same. Well, the, the manufacturers have the right to do a couple of things. One, if they can't get that part that they need that's missing, they can replace it with a with a with a new part. And in most cases, that's going to be more expensive because of the times and the cost of to tra- transport stuff or whatever. And and so effectively, the manufacturer passes that. Increase in cost to to us the the reseller and we either eat it or we have to come back to you guys and say hey look i know i know we created this this order in good faith but the cost of the uh, part we you know two three of the parts couldn't be uh, acquired so we had to replace them to get your your system built and the price has gone up and you know we're doing the best to keep the price down mm-hmm. so so that's that's one thing um uh, the order you make in good faith uh, with us doesn't necessarily get to you at the same price that you agreed to. You know when you ordered this stuff. That's that's a that's a tough conversation to have. The yep. other the other thing the other really interesting thing that we're seeing is because because these data center uh, equipment devices are in some cases six plus months out. Uh, you know, in terms of being able to get the raw materials in and get them built and get them delivered we're 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 noticing that a lot of a lot of clients that would not have considered you know moving those applications, moving those workloads to the cloud or to venue you know as as, as their cloud provider are now having to rethink uh, the timing of those things. so um it's just a couple of observations from my side. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. I mean, so we,
1: you know, will you know, Michael and I work a lot with Paul, and, and and you know, Paul does his best to help us out. And and I've had, you know, quotes with Paul that I'm working, and all of a sudden I'll get a phone call from Paul. Hey, I need to talk to you. <laughs> oh. And, and it'll be, it, it, yeah, you're always like, oh no, that can't be good, right? So you know, and, and Paul is doing exactly what he said. You know, he's he's saying, hey, uh, you know, Dell, IBM, whoever has can't get this this one little part it could be it could be just one small part of the whole the the (laughs) scuzzy interface right we we can't get that piece right and so they want to they want to flip it with this other scuzzy thing but the the only one they have in stock is three times the cost right well you know if you're talking about a hundred dollar part no big deal but if you're talking about a two thousand dollar part big deal right so so paul's coming to us and then he may he paul even does things just so you know with everything paul says well i can find you a refurbished Right? So mm-hmm. I say – so he says, I can get you the same product at a refurbished uh, – with a refurbished thing, and I can get it shipped to you next month. Right?
0: With, with, the same war- I, with the same warranty. With the same warranty and everything. everything
1: yeah. the, 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 the odd part about it is it's almost the same price because of the demand, mm-hmm. right? So you have the demand for these systems that aren't able to get supply shipped to us, so then the the – these pieces that are, you know, warranted and coming in secondhand, almost same price. But Paul does a lot of effort, so credit to Paul, his entire team Insight, uh, for helping us in those in those cases. And, and we've we have found solutions for each one of our our problems that we have. Sometimes we pay a little bit more. Sometimes we take, you know, refer parts, or sometimes we wait it out, right? So, but each time it's a little bit different. But you know, kudos to Paul and his team for really working through with all these these issues. Okay. And I suspect we are just a small little blip on Paul's radar on all the people that he has to support and do this for day in and day out. He has to have the same kind of hard conversation with all of his clients.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, if we look at this from a standpoint, let's take, I might give a real world example that happened to me literally over the last month or so. Um, It's not IT related, but it definitely is supply chain uh, related. I had actually ordered around, I guess, end of thanksgiving maybe beginning of december i ordered a chair i won't mention the manufacturer because it's irrelevant right it's not the manufacturer's fault but i ordered a really nice home office chair right um from a local place uh and it was the chair was actually being assembled and shipped to me because i wanted some special options and things like this and um you know, I called, you know, end of December, I'm like, hey, I should have my chair by now. So I called the local place, and they're like, listen, we have problems with manufacturing. Um, so I took it upon myself to call the manufacturer, not really aggravate or anything, but I'm like, hey, I'd like to know wh- what's the holdup, and, and when do you think I might get my chair? And, um, you know, I, t- I was talking to one of the guys who actually ended up getting the right person on the phone, and they said, William, we see your order, your chair is in, you know, Atlanta we have everything we need. We have the, the the seat cushion made, we have the headrest, we have all the mechanisms, but we don't have bolts, nuts, and the hardware to assemble the chair. And we're waiting for those to come from our plant where we make these bolts and, you know, it, you know the fabrication, not the fabrication gear, but kind of the, the glue that puts the chair together, right, in terms of hardware that's on back order. We're waiting to get it in. When we, when we get the shipment in, we'll start building chairs and getting them out to customers. So something that would have taken, you know, let's say 30 days or, or 15 days in normal conditions to come in. Now I'm looking at getting my chair like the end of March, right before I'm actually getting things actually shipped out to my house.
1: Yeah, so, yeah like you said we see that we see this across all the industries and and um, like you said it's, it's one individual part like Paul was saying, it could be just a, a memory chip or a you know a, a video drive uh, uh, card could be anything that just slows down the whole process and the problem that I see with it is so if we have this shipping problem today, how bad is it going to be? Exasperated in a year or two years from now, when when quote unquote is recovering, but yet we're on this backlog of things we need.
0: Yeah, it, it may right. it may get rough for a little while, but I, I definitely think there's you know good news, um, you know because as we're struggling through the the supply chain and pandemic issues now, there's a lot of smart people working on this problem, right? And and I was watching an interview with Michael Dell and. Um, the i think it was the ceo of hpe and he was like look you know when we have a slot where a manufacturing company is 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 getting flow of of whatever piece it is like whether if it's a hard disk or a SCSI controller or a a chassis for a server we're over ordering those components or products Without the, necessarily the demand there, and, and we're trying to get that, those, those pieces, parts on ships, in shipping containers, through ports, and sitting in warehouses in, all over the United States to where when we do need those pieces, it will shorten the amount of time getting to the customer right? And I think that's one of the things that, you know, as we're recovering from the pandemic, that that will help, right? I mean, I I was watching the, like I said, this morning, I was watching an interview with Michael Dell, and he's like, look, we have a lot of intelligence over the last several months and even year about, you know, how are people working from home? We have these analytics, and we can now start using things like AI to predict how much product we'll need and when when products are available we, we scoop them up right we get enough more than we need so we can fulfill our customer orders
3: a lot of I mean, our customers yeah a lot of our ahead, customers Bob. are doing yeah thanks a lot of our customers are doing exactly the same thing which which honestly if you think about it on the, on the customer side on the on the in product side exacerbates the the problem of if a large company is over ordering uh and and warehousing it so that they have it when they need it then others that need it today can't get the product so, uh, so you know so so it, 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 it you know it, it's smart for the guys that have the money that can that can go out and kind of hedge their bets we call it mm-hmm. uh or ordering just in case instead of just in time um
0: <laughs> yeah
3: you know so 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 those guys are, are it it kind of goes back like to, to all the hoarding that was done with toilet paper at the very beginning of pandemic. <laughs> yep, yep. you know it's like it's like cra- it's it's just it's just um, it's crazy you you, you want to do the best the best you can for your client you always keep the client's best interests in mind and you're, and you're forewarning them that that others are doing this and you know and and so they they've got to make up their mind what's best for them
1: well, Paul, exactly. I mean it makes me it makes me think of a really small issue that I heard over the Christmas holidays and uh, I know a guy that runs a bicycle shop in um Auburn, Alabama, and uh he sells really high end bicycles, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollar bicycles and whatnot. But he he was telling me that the supply chain issue has has driven him to into a weird situation where let's just say a client comes in and they say, Hey, I wanna buy a new chain. He says, Well, let me look at your chain. He says, eh, Your chain's not that bad. I only have five chains in my stock. <laughs> you need to hold off for a little while because I might have someone that really needs a chain. Or, or just something simple. Maybe it's a pedal or maybe it's a, a sprocket. You know, your sprockets are worn, but they're not worn to the level that we normally replace them at. I know you want to replace this now, but please hold off in case I have a client that really needs this. So it's, it's an odd situation to put, you know, sellers in, right? So the yeah. whole supply chain is put, like, even you, Paul, into a predicament where you're having to say, hey, you're doing just in case buying, but I have clients that need some of this stuff, so yeah, yeah, I can I can I can feel for you, and I can see that that that, that exasperates the problem for everybody else in the
0: uh the, the purchasing world. Yeah, and, right. and you know what's funny, Eric, that even goes into things like medicine, right? Healthcare practice, where, you know, it 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 the when we have, you know, the heat of these surges of 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 COVID, right? Um. Even things like dental work, right? I needed to have, you know, teeth cleaned or whatever. And they're like, you know, I I call, you know, a a dentist somewhere or or whatever. And they're like, hey, well, unless you're having like a major tooth problem or like, you know, we want you to come in. But, you know, if you're not having like wisdom teeth problem or, you know, you're in severe pain, let's put something off for a week or two. Right. And and it's even makes It's its way into everyday life, even the medical field. Right. So I guess Absolutely. you could say a lot of the even healthcare practices is impacted by a type of supply chain um, issue, right?
1: Yeah. We didn't even talk about, you know, some of the other things that are going on, you know, and you mentioned it before the Suez canal issue, right? there's just, you know, right in the middle of the pandemic, it's not related to the pandemic, but right in the middle of the pandemic, we're already starting to have these issues that are building because people are starting to ask for more stuff to be shipped to them. So we're, we're consuming the FedEx drivers and the DHL drivers, and everybody else. And then, they can't get stuff to us fast enough, so stuff can't get off the ship fast enough, so the trucks can't get to it fast enough, so the ships have to stay in the shipping yard, so the people over in, in the remote locations, if it's being built in Argentina or China or Japan or Brazil or wherever, can't get it out of their shop, so then their shops stop building. You know, All that stuff happens all you know, all at the same time, but then you have this Suez canal issue and you say, Hey, we've blocked the Suez canal, which, you know, I don't know the percentage of it. So we go do research on this, but I mean, how much ships, how many ships go through the Suez canal, yeah. you know, on a yearly basis. And then they were being, having to be diverted all the way around, uh, the Cape. Right. So they're having to go all the way around Southern, uh, Africa and around to get back up. So taking a trip that should take a week and turning it into a month and a half, so that, ha- that, that in itself changed everything, right? Yeah. So th- these things are all happening simultaneously. And, and then, you know, it, it's the recovery period just gets uh, lengthened and lengthened and lengthened, and, and And, uh, you know, hopefully we're getting to that point where we say, okay, we've been in this situation for a year and a half and we're looking to get drivers out there. We're looking to get people working in the shipyards. We're, getting people, we're looking at people to, to mine more and so on and so forth so that the we can see this, you know, leveling out of the problem, and then hopefully catching up with the problem.
2: Yeah. So, so I have a question, and i I guess, directed at Paul. Uh, you know, we have talked about obviously the the supply chain woes of not being able to get things fast enough, and then Paul, you brought up the the opposite end of the spectrum where people are overbuying and and exacerbating the problem. Is is there a is there a happy medium here or I, I guess the reason why I ask is like what what if anything should we maybe not maybe not advising is, is, is the right term, but but caution people against or, or encourage people to, to look at doing, um, to, to help combat this and, and not find themselves in, in a scenario where they need something but they've ordered too late. Or they're not contributing to the problem.
3: Wow, well, that's yeah, that's a really good question, uh, Michael. Um, so, so back back to Eric's example about the, the bicycle shop owner. You know, um, I, I can play my role in trying to understand uh, really how badly the the customer needs what they're asking for, um, and and if if that sprocket isn't you know worn down to a nub and really has to be replaced, uh, you know can help make suggestions. But but it, you know you know we're in a society that that expects everything yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know so so it's it's hard to it's it's hard you know clients watching out for his business. He's you know he's going to try to forecast the best he can. Um, we're we're spending. We're spending much more time now forecasting out 18 months, 12 and 18 months, instead of three or four months with our clients, so that so that we can kind of get a better feel uh, for what they're really going to need when, and when they're really going to need it. And so when something takes six or eight months to deliver, we're you know we're we're making those orders in that time frame so it arrives at the right time. That's
0: about all you could do. Yeah. yeah, it's really hit and miss because I mean I, I'm going back to kind of my personal experience, here, Uh and, and definitely we we have become accustomed to getting things like extremely fast. And one of the examples I had like I was ordering shoes. My wife and I ordered a pair of shoes, and mine were back ordered for like 45 days or or, or over a month. Uh, same place, same same manufacturer of shoe. Uh, I couldn't get my size and the color I wanted um, for a couple of months, but my wife ordered a pair of shoes, different size, different color, different model of shoe. And literally it was at my doorstep. I ordered it the morning. It was at my doorstep the next morning. So it's very unpredictable right now. I mean, who can get what and kind of where things come into play.
1: And Michael, you know, back to your question and and Paul's, great answer you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: we, I find that we do the same thing here at, at, at venue right so we start saying you know <clears throat> we're looking to replace something next year or, or we're looking to add resources to a particular product line you know in, in 12 months we may say, in our old days, we may say, okay, cool, we'll, we'll start looking to spec that out in nine months, right? Well, nowadays, we say, hey, hey let's start getting some quotes on this, and let's start getting some, some guesstimates on on shipping with it. And maybe we're saying, hey, Paul, we want to buy this product now. Uh, and, and Paul says, well, it's probably going to take, you know, 180 days delivered to you, Um which is fine because if that falls within the, the quarter that we want to spend on the anyway, it's perfect, right? So we said, perfect, let's, let's, let's purchase it now. Let's get it shipping. Let's get it moving because we're going to be paying for it in quarter four and, and everything is, is in line with how we want to do business anyway. But it's making us think this far in advance a little bit more than we used to in the past.
0: Yep. Um. You know, so so talking about we you know we've talked a lot about supply chain and kind of the issues we've had with with pandemic. Um, we've actually kind of experienced some some shortages, and especially when we talk about IT related products. And really, I shouldn't say IT; I should say really anything that uses a semiconductor. Right? Um, you know, in doing my research for this episode, I was like, you know, that you know, we hear a lot about the semiconductor shortage, and we realized that this actual shortage actually happened really started happening before the pandemic. So it was kind like of a, right? it was kind of a perfect storm, right? Yeah, 2018, 2019. Um, because a lot of the, the semiconductors or capacitors or or batteries even are assembled or manufactured and fabricated by very few companies. So for instance, uh, companies like Sony, Apple, Microsoft, AMD, Qualcomm, uh, Nvidia and, and many others manufacture their semiconductors at one or one or two large fabrication plants. Um Taiwan's TSMC, right? Taiwan semiconductors. Um and even in things like 2019, we were looking at issues, whether they're economic or tariff issues, they kind of started, you know, the hurricane started to kind of move, right? It started to spin, right? And when we had the pandemic come up come up, where we have now less people Working at these factories, putting together the products or building the semiconductors, it really kind of makes things very difficult, right?
1: Well, I I mean, I I agree with you. And if you remember, I don't know, I don't remember what year it is. That's sad. I apologize, but the the tsunami that hit Japan and how that affected hard drives, right? So, so all these hard drives were coming out of Japan, right? And so. You know, we have you know a, a couple builders of hard drives, and that's it, right? And and so they build these hard drives, but they're all coming out of Japan. The tsunami hits, and then their their entire economy is 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 consumed with the tsunami, and not able to get back to work building them either. So, at first, no big deal. Tsunami hit, hard drives are shipping, everything's fine. But six months later, the the effect of this is that we don't have very many hard drives now, right? So. So yeah, exactly. With your semiconductor problem, is they all exasperate the issue, um, and and there's no one thing that, that has made it. And I think as consumers, you know, just as as public consumers as well as private consumers for our business, that is something that we have to learn how to 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 work within, right? So like Paul was saying earlier, we like things be here yesterday, and that's just kind of world we've kind of grown into. But mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe we need to get back to a world where we say, hey planning is, planning is essential, right? And, and thinking in advance is essential, right? Uh, and, and, and look, when we will, when you and I talk with our clients, we actually go through this process with them. Mm -hmm. We say, look, you know, we, we want to do business with you, uh, but, and we don't want to be pushing you to do business, but at the same time, you need to understand you're going to need X amount of equipment to do what you're talking about. And so if you pull the trigger in on August 1st for September 1st, you may not get what you want.
0: Yep. Absolutely. So you know the thing about the, th- and, you know, when we start looking at you know, and, and really this comes back to, and and, and you keep thinking about this, um, semiconductors are really in everything. We we talk we talk in terms of IT and data center and servers and laptops and things like this, but you have semiconductors in everything, even the automotive industry, right? And and we're not talking about the Teslas, or we're talking about the ultra ultra tech type of automotives, but even you know your your regular old gas car requires thousands of semiconductors, right? In in the electrical system, uh, your microwave oven, your, you know, obviously your cell phone, but everything relies on semiconductors and multiprocessors, right? Whether it's that or even batteries. Um, So it's very difficult and and it's very, you, you know, you stop thinking about, you know, take a day and say, okay, how many things am I interacting with? How many devices or services that I'm interacting with relies on... Semiconductors, and you'll be baffled by how you know much you're dependent on, you know, this type of this type of product, right? And then uh,
1: you're also then you're also shocked when you find out there's only one or two people building these things, yeah, right? Absolutely, because you know, as a consumer, I'm like, oh well, you know, my my Garmin uh, GPS, they make their own semiconductors. No, they don't. They buy their semiconductors, right? <laughs> yep. So. So, so I understand what you're saying. Is so the whole thing kind of exasperates the issue, um, but really, Will, I mean, what's the good news? I mean, is there change well,
0: happening? You know, the good news is, yeah, and and obviously, like I said, researching before this this podcast, you know, there's there's talk of um, actually TSMC building plants in the United States, and, and I believe there's really significant talk about building a, a TSMC plant fabrication. Um, uh, factory in Arizona, right? So we're bringing, we're bringing the manufacturing maybe back to the United States, right? Now, of course, there may be we don't know yet what this will do to prices. You know whether it's going to double prices. The, the 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 specialists that I listened to, uh, you know, was reading about this. Don't think it will actually double price because things like um, manufacturing in Taiwan. They won't see it as we're going to do all of the manufacturing in 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 the states. It'll be more like when capacity can't come out of one area, the plant in, um, in the states will crank up to ramp up to meet that demand and re- meet that demand not only for the products but also delivery time.
1: And hopefully they're doing the same thing around the world, right? So so get one in, in so to say, on each continent, right? So if you have one on each continent where the, where the uh – the, the access to the device is quicker. I think of something like, um, like Anheuser-Busch, right? So so they're, they're located out St. Louis, but maybe they have plants as well around the country. And why do they do that? Well, they want to get the beer as close as they can to the consumer so that when the consumer picks up that can of beer, it says manufactured it was yesterday or whatever, right? Yeah. So all they're doing is taking that, that process and just moving it physically closer to you so you cut out some of the pieces of that supply chain.
0: Yeah. But also the good news, guys, really is, you know, there's like, and I said this earlier in the beginning of the podcast, there's a lot of smart people uh, looking at this problem. And, and also, you know, the innovation in manufacturing is continuing to, to become automated, right? Whether if it's through robotics or artificial intelligence to make um, faster, better decisions that normally would be reliant on humans, right, uh, to make these kind of mundane decisions about how much a person should be building a certain widget, right? Um, a lot of intelligence is going into b- breaking down the barriers that have always caused us problems, right? So you see things like robotics, automation, AI becoming in integrated into the supply chain equation, right? even down to last mile delivery services, right? So, you know, when I order something from Amazon, I don't know if it's being delivered by UPS, FedEx, um, you know, uh, Amazon delivery services, right, who are actual Amazon employees. Um, and, and I think things like, last, at least right now, last minute delivery is really you have many customers taking the, the load, right, and spreading it across. And it's good for the end consumer because now you get your – you know, cherry-flavored, whatever it is, the next day, right? Which is great. Um, You know, and even things when we start looking outside the box and innovations in in, uh, autonomous driving vehicles, right, or drones now delivering packages. This isn't everywhere, but they're doing it, you know, certain companies are doing it in test cities to see if it's possible where even delivering to the doorstep is automated, right? So very interesting sure, time. yeah that,
1: that, that would be interesting you know uh, an automated car shows up you know um, and, and you you get a, a ding on your phone saying delivery is present you walk out you it opens up a chamber you pull out what you want and then the car drives off that that's that would be great and, and that is that also removes the need to, to keep hiring people and training them
0: yeah yeah it's it's weird you know and, and if this all comes back to um, you know us Having the we're now so expectant to have things the next day. I remember when I was a kid, uh, if I wanted a product, I would go get the Sears and Robux catalog, and I would look through the catalog and I'd find something I want, and I would tell my mom or dad, "Hey, I'd like to buy this," you know, and they would they would call Sears or go to a local Sears store, and they would put in an order, and I wouldn't know when. I was getting my product. I wouldn't know if it was coming in in a a few days or a few weeks or at the end of the month. And I wouldn't know until the day it arrived on my doorstep. Nowadays, the minute we place the order, we're expecting that tracking number to be emailed to us where we can track and see where that product is. Not only, you know, when is it coming to my house, but I want to know every single stop that package makes on the way to my house, right?
1: Yeah, that's right, Um, Will. And and, you know, it's funny because you, know, you get a a device and you get a message that you're tracking you're tracking it and you literally you can see the the, the the truck and it's on the street a uh, street over from you <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's 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 kind of a you know the the technology is awesome that it's there but at the same time it sets up this level of expectation uh that that as consumers, we've grown to expect and, and demand, and so it's, it's exasper- that also exasperates our issue. But I, I think the automated piece is going to help, and I, I, I definitely think that that's coming in the future. I don't know if we're here yet, but hopefully it's coming soon enough where – it's safe and reliable.
0: Yeah. Well, Paul, I, I put in an order with Paul to to, um, to order me one of these three D printers. So I'm gonna start making my own shoes, you know, and things I need around <laughs> the house. Uh, it might be made out of plastic, and you know, may not be the best. Super, but... super comfortable shoes. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I guess you know, <laughs> shoes made out of uh, high high tensile strength plastic probably wouldn't be that comfortable. But anyway. <laughs> Well, I, I I think this wraps it up. Um, I think we've we've talked a pretty good bit about supply chains and some of the issues that people are seeing, and hopefully our listeners have enjoyed this you know this this informative and entertaining podcast. Paul, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. It's been a pleasure as always. Thanks and, very um, much. Appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's it, guys. Uh, any any other closing comments?
1: No, I think it's been yeah. fun. It's been a nice conversation. Hopefully, hopefully our listeners, you know, can uh, can grasp. But we, you know, the, the issues that we encounter on a day-to-day basis, just getting equipment and getting um, the whole the whole any kind of piece of part that they may need, uh, and hopefully that. If they're going through these same issues, if they if they have more questions, and like like Paul said at the beginning, you know, that's one of the good things about going into cloud is that you don't have to worry about that shipping issue, right? So it, the onus is on us to kind of plan on in advance, and and that's what we do, right? We we, we look we look to the future, we, we we forecast our growth, and we try we start specing for it sometimes as much as twenty four months in advance. So so yeah, so I I think it's been a great conversation.
0: Buy, buy more servers. And everything is good. So, guys, thank you so much for today's podcast. Some housekeeping. Um, you know, you can definitely find us on uh, the Normal Suspects, right? Apple Podcast Store. Uh, we've finally made the move to another um, another podcast aggregator. We're using now Anchor FM. You know, pat on the back to me because I was able to finally get that done. I know I've been saying that for a while. But we, uh, we're now available um, on... Uh, Spotify, so many people use Spotify uh, for digesting podcasts and things like that. So we're on Spotify, Apple iTunes Store, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much wherever your favorite podcast can be found, we should be there. As always, we like to hear um, feedback from our from our listeners. You can send us an email at podcast at venue.com. And also, if you go to uh, venue.com slash podcast, there should be a link to a form where you can uh, submit questions. Maybe you would like to even be on a podcast and join us for a roundtable discussion about something that uh, that you're passionate about. Please let us know. We'd love to have you on the podcast. Um, also, um, you know, with us moving to Anchor, we're also going to be able to take um, audio calls. So if someone would like to leave us an audio message, you can do that using your Anchor account. And lastly, uh, we want to try and have, uh, and this will be coming up as soon as we can, uh, video podcasts, where not only will you be able to hear our lovely voices, you'll be able to actually see us. So that will be coming um, as soon as possible.
1: A good way to scare away most of our listeners.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> it makes it a lot less stressful when there's only just us us knowing we listen to each other. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Thanks.